and welcome to the FPL Lounge podcast. We are here to preview season 2021 to 22 in FPL. It's our second season and we are very much looking forward to it. My name is Chris Hopkins and I'm joined as ever by Andy Case. Andy, what we're going to be doing in a series of podcasts over our FPL Lounge long weekend is uh, is previewing position by position. So this first podcast is going to be our goalkeepers podcast, but because we're going to be looking at one position group per program or per show, uh, but this pod is you know, is only the goalkeepers and then given they're such a small pool of players, we're going to use a little bit more time to talk about some FPL strategies, some overall strategies that you might be thinking about ahead of the season and ahead of the team structure. Now, you are a guy that spends a lot more time thinking about strategy than I do. So why don't you take the listener quickly, very quickly through kind of how you approach, you know, the start of your FPL season, particularly when you're thinking about your first draft or how you're going to start putting putting players uh, on your team sheet. Well, if I mean, there's there's two answers to this question, and one would probably be like the answer to try and make me sound like um, I know what I'm talking about and like I'm some kind of like FPL professional or something. Um, but I'll to answer your question honestly, what I actually do is think about, and I don't know whether, how sensible this is or not really, but what what I what I tend to do is think about who who to me are the key players I want in my team. Are almost regardless of position I'm like who are the players I trust the most and that I absolutely definitely want or need to have in the team now you've got to be strict with yourself when you when you ask yourself that question I think because you uh, as you work down your 100 million budget that you start off with you quickly realize that that's not enough to have everyone that you want and you've got to draw your line about where is the absolute like must-haves versus the would likes right but um you know uh, in seasons gone by, players such as Trent, Salah, um, you know, KDB, the ones that are just will all return regularly, you can rely on a lot. I think obviously there's been question marks a little bit more over Trent recently, but but those types of like higher echelon players that you're really sort of um, convinced on. Um, and then uh, the next step, usually for me is 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 kind of looking at fixtures um and, and and seeing then where the next sort of tier of players fit in amongst um the depending on the on the fixtures that are less so for example there's a there's a lot of people this season um you know le- maybe less keen on some of the city players with you know pet roulette being as strong as ever but also um their first fixture being being tottenham um, and that them having some other kind of fixtures against bigger teams earlier on, you know, when you throw in those question marks around who might start KDB's fitness, etc., um, that's steering some people more towards towards other other assets for for those other other positions after after they've sorted out their premium ones. So, yeah, it's um, there, there's so many different ways to go about this. Uh, it, th- th- there's others who maybe regardless of the fixtures, um, have a set structure where they only want so many premium players or they try to cram perhaps as many premium players in as they can and then the rest of the team is is, is filled with with budget ones. But um, yeah, I guess, do you have any particular methods you always follow or does it, does it depend from season to season? Again, I guess this is kind of like uh, the ideal answer versus the honest answer. I mean, the, the honest answer is you, know, you as soon as you, you you log back into FPL after a bit of a a bit of an off-season break, um, I press auto complete and then worry about it with a week to go before the season. So I'm glad that we're having this having these conversations now. I guess 
I guess my approach is possibly similar to yours. And again, long-time listeners to the show will understand that you know, Andy and I do approach the game fairly similarly. We might dis- disagree a lot, a lot over individual players, but I think we do have some similar method to the madness sometimes. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like from, from what you've just said, you definitely take an approach whereby um, you, know, you look at, like you say, the players that you trust the most. And I think nine times out of 10, they're going to end up being your premium assets and just trying to pick between between those. And I guess it's at that point where if you want, say, you know, this year, I think we are looking at you know, probably three very expensive midfielders that would, you know, all, every FPL manager would probably want in their side. Um, but can you afford all three? And, and is it worth all three when you then have to compromise with other areas um, of your team because they are so expensive and they are such premium picks. And then, you know, obviously equally, you, you brought up Trent there. I mean, I think defenders is an interesting one, Andy, isn't it? Because they can, you know, end up having such high returns. We've seen it with Trent before, but we've seen it with a few other defenders as well sometimes that maybe be in that sort of six to six and a half million mark. You know, I remember Marcus Alonso a few seasons ago being an absolute FPL monster. You know, they can get up there, but they are significantly cheaper than the premium strikers and the premium midfielders. Um, so is it possibly worth building around a defence with slightly more premium picks? I know that's not, not really something that either of us advocated for last year, was it? No, not not really, and I guess people who've played FPL for a while probably there's 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 not many times when when you when you often um, load seem to load up on on defenders. Uh, you know, you don't. It just, it's rare that you'll see someone play all five of the defenders that they could possibly play in in their first eleven. Um, whereas five midfielders, for example, is obviously much more much more common. Um, so, but but. It, it's it, yeah for newer FPL players. I guess you'll you'll if you haven't noticed, you will see that even the most expensive defenders are only as expensive as the kind of mid-priced midfielders. And there's a lot more defenders in the kind of five to six million range than than some other positions like midfield and forward. So yeah, I, I guess arguably you could have all or most of the most expensive defenders uh, that are possible for for much cheaper than 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 expensive. Um, forwards and midfielders but I guess this ultimately boils down to the whole essence and point of of, of FPL and that is that you know you will see traditionally over the years that midfielders and forwards do do tend to score more points you get more points for a goal as a midfielder than you do as in a, a clean sheet as a defender and beyond that you also um, can score more than one goal in a game right whereas you can only get one clean sheet uh, so the the terms that we use often you and I Chris but the ceiling I suppose for midfielders and forwards is, is a lot higher than it is for defenders having said that in recent years we've seen a lot more teams playing three or five at the back so you're getting lots more wing backs uh players going forward more you know the 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 arrival of Pep and uh Klopp particularly in the Premier League means that um there's been a lot more uh, emphasis on the fullbacks to become creative and it's a trend we've seen develop in in football generally over the last five six seven eight years or particularly in the Premier League I guess people would argue that Brazil have been doing it for decades but um, yeah in the Premier League we've been seeing um, creativity uh, d- d- teams depending on their fullbacks for creativity much more often with the, with the likes of uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Robertson, Chilwell, um, you know, Ashley Cole, I guess, was probably one of the earliest proponents of it, albeit he wasn't—he didn't really ever play as a wing back, but a very, very attacking um, fullback. Um, 
you know, Cancelo now on, on under Pep, um, similar to the fullbacks he had he had at Barcelona in his time, um, and that is leading to you know those fullbacks appearing in more attacking positions, getting more assists, um, and then because they're playing those ones playing for the bigger teams, obviously still getting their um, clean sheet points as as well. So someone like Trent and Robbo in in, in years gone by getting into like double digit digits for assists. Um, you know, more than many, many midfielders even in the game and, and, and maybe even particularly Trent um, chipping in with, with the odd goal or two. So so that that that's, I guess, hopefully a, a bit of a re- general reasons why it doesn't hasn't usually happened in the past, but maybe now why there might be one or two more looking at that. And I've certainly seen for this season, uh, again, we will say this, FPL Twitter is a bit of a bubble, so you can't rely on it completely, but I've certainly seen lots of drafts already this season with a lot more premium defenders in it. Yeah, I have, and you know, we'll obviously we will end up recording a, a defenders podcast, um, you know, sort of that will, that will be out later during like, the FPL long weekend. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I wonder if that is because there is a bit of a dearth of, of, of budget defenders so far, and I'm not sure if if we're really quite seeing the same value that perhaps we did we did last year. I mean, I guess that kind of comes back to the overall point about about your team is that it is it is getting that balance between you know sure far or as, as close as you can be to a sure thing guaranteed points week on week which in theory should come from your premium assets and then kind of unearthing those gems and those gems as we saw last year really Andy doesn't ha- they don't have to be you know four million defenders they don't have to be four and a half million midfielders or five million strikers they can be sort of in those mid-tier ranges but I guess it is picking the ones that, that do end up being um you know do end up being quite lucrative and ultimately underpriced you know again I know it's something that we don't take loads of notice of, of, of price rises, but I think it is, you know, trying to get on those trends early, I think is important. So you do maximise the points that a player, um, you know, that, that's in a good vein of form that is a bit lower owned or is a bit, um, and, and is a bit underpriced or, or low low value at least, you know, trying to get on them early so you, so you kind of maximise maximise their returns. I mean, a little bit, let's move on a little bit from sort of the structure of, of, of perhaps the 11, maybe in a, in, with a quick word, on the bench, obviously in FPL, um, you know, managers choose 15 players, and if you know someone in their first 11 doesn't end up playing, uh, doesn't you know, it, it doesn't make it a, a, an appearance. It's, it's you know someone from their bench can be can be subbed in. Again, it seems to be a bit of a debate. It's probably nothing that we need to go into in 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 loads of detail. But how do you kind of approach your bench? Do you try and get players that are that that are playing, going to start maybe with some potential for returns, or are you just kind of like going to fill your bench with four million and four and a half million pound players that are just there so you can concentrate on on your first 11 yeah well i guess the first thing i'd say is that this uh, may the answer to this question i guess would potentially change from season to season depending on the i guess quality or starting likelihood of of any particular lower priced uh players in any position um and, and what people i guess will notice is that the conversation chris and i are trying to have here i suppose is a general strategy conversation that could apply to any season albeit that this is a, a preview for for this season in, in particular and so I, I suppose what i'd say is 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 um you you can't necessarily there are some years we're having uh, and it's shown with like wambasaka uh mitchell um uh, Greenwood in in years in years gone by when he was a 4.5 million striker that there are sometimes options of in that lowest price bracket who have genuine opportunities to start so you really can maximise that money elsewhere and have a bench player who with starting options that would be the ultimate aim if it's possible right but um, at, at the lowest bracket you know value in 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 that position group but 
that doesn't always necessarily happen. And I guess uh, to the point we were saying before about putting all your money into defenders or any particular position group, you know, it's not always that useful to have loads of premiums in, in one position, I suppose, because as the season progresses, if you want to move money or if you need to have um, bring other players in from that position, if you have if you have them all at a similar price point, it then makes it a bit difficult when you're when you're sort of moving around, you end up having to roll transfers and try and make sure you've got two free transfers. If you say you need to take money out of a defender to put it into a midfielder to upgrade um, because because you, you need a, a, a better quality midfielder and the ones you've got, you haven't spent much, much money on because it's all in, say, your defence. So I suppose generally um, across the squad, I try to would maybe think it's it's a good idea to, to have like those multiple different price points in in the various uh, position groups um however having said that if you know you know like like i said there are examples where you can get a mitchell a greenwood uh we saw uh what was the name kilman at wolves for a while starting in at 4.0 um that, that that does allow you to to perhaps have what an extra premium somewhere so that 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 they're the pros and cons i suppose in that if you spread the money a bit more you can um you've got more uh variation in price points in your team that is easier to move off later down the line i suppose but you if you uh have the money uh invested in 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 your starting players a bit more and you have less money in your bench players then that might allow you to get that extra kind of premium or or higher cost uh player um in in into your first 11 that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise yeah absolutely i think when we uncovered a few sort of starting um you know very very low priced players last year we kind of called them enablers because it did enable you to get some some more premium options in your team but yeah i mean we'll, you'll find this out as we go through the fpl lounge long weekend but we we are struggling to unearth um, some budget players that, that have, have any kind of real upside. Um, and when I say budget, I mean, you know, the very low end, you know, very sort of bottom of, of their respective price brackets. Um, a quick word then on, on fixes, Andy. I mean, you mentioned it at the start when you were talking about, you know, going through your team and uh, or was at least starting your team and thinking about the, you know those those premium assets those very reliable um old you know old favorite kind of fpl assets but you know is there do you think there might be a bit too much focus on on the very first few game weeks um when when managers are looking for a team you know for example chelsea have a pretty difficult start this year west ham have a pretty good start but then they're in the europa league how much of this stuff should come into sort of fpl managers thinking because ultimately it, it you know Everyone's season is the same length. It's 38 game weeks. And obviously part of the trick is um, is taking out players when they're less likely to score points and bringing them in when they're more likely to score points. But how much does your game week one team need to be set up for the long term versus the very short term? I, you know, I'm guessing the answer is somewhere in the middle. But, and, and, and obviously, you know, as you, as you, you know, I'm sure that you kind of alluded to that earlier. But do you think there might be a bit too much short termism when there is so long before a season to prepare and do various drafts of your team i think it's a common mistake for there to be a to to to, to look at the early fixtures and pay more attention to them than 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 other ones because like you say there's 38 in the season and, and you, you only get this opportunity for unlimited transfers you know once or you know in theory obviously you've got your wild cards but but outside of using a chip up 
this is this is your only obviously your only opportunity to 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 make all those unlimited free transfers. So you do have to set yourself up for the for the for the season. For you know, think about game week ten um, when when you you know your 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 players will be in the midst of Champions League possibly, and and, and who knows knows what else. So um, it's a common mistake. However, this. It, the, whether to how short term or long term to look in this kind of pre-season period is is one that's difficult to answer gen- generally like some of the other ones we've tried to do I think this is harder to to say one way is better than the other a bit more in general because it is so dependent on um, your particularly your premium players early fixtures uh, any transfers that your t- that, that that teams might make might make, and there's a couple that we've that we've mentioned, you know, um, that that could have huge imp- impacts on on um, uh, team structures, real you know, real life team structures and your your FPL ones. So, um, it yeah, there there might be reasons why in some seasons looking short term in the first instance knowing that you've got that wild card in your hand at the end of the transfer window to to change things up might be um a a a more sort of appealing strategy so um yeah it's i think it's tricky to to say in general you've got to, you've got to weigh it up situation by situation on on looking at the fixtures and the players that season and then just one final word, really, before we before we take a bit, a kind of quick break. Um, you mentioned it very briefly there, the transfer window. Again, this is something that we advocated very much at the start of last season. You know, you even if things go very badly in your team in the first few game weeks, if the transfer window, I mean, it doesn't close, does it, Andy? It slams shut towards um, at the start of September. Um, you know, if if things do go very badly for, for managers in in the first few game weeks, it's probably worth holding on to that wild card until at least. You know, you, you know the status of players, and, and players aren't, aren't going to be moving moving around too much. But obviously, you know, we are just coming back. Or, or, a lot of Premier League players, and definitely some some premium options, are just coming back from the Euros, from you know, a lengthy summer after a very difficult bunch up season. Um, yeah, there might be some fatigue early, and I guess all of these things really need to be taken into account by FPL managers as as, as they sort of approach game week one. Yeah, absolutely. And and the transfer window not aligning with the start of the season annoys a lot of fans for a lot of reasons. But FPL is is one that really kind of makes it frustrating because, yeah, you, you try to do your best to set your team up. But like I say, uh, if, if a big money signing, say like a, a Lukaku, particularly, you know, him coming from outside the league, so he's not even in the game at all at the moment, um, was to come in, you know, and be a, an incredibly good striker up front for a very good Chelsea team. That, that can throw all kinds of spanners in the works that you just cannot prepare for before the season started necessarily. Um, so uh, the, the the wild card is there, the chips are there for, for a reason. And, um, you know, you, 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 you could just take the attitude of, well, I'm going to set it up uh, imagining that someone like that doesn't come in. And if they do, I've got my wild card to change it down the line. So, so fine. But, um, but equally you, there might be uh reasons i mean more so in the pandemic i think because we we was uncertainty over teams getting the getting the virus and having to isolate which could still happen this season obviously we're not completely free of the virus but um it's hopefully a little bit less likely and so um you know if you've uh if you if you're there's an argument that you might want to hold on to wildcard for longer, basically, if 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 at all possible. So, so a, a wrinkle this season is that the international break and the wildcard, uh, sorry, and the transfer window closing fall at the same time 
um, for in FPL. So between game week three and four. So there's a bit of fortune there, I suppose, in the sense that um, sometimes, you know, if players get injured on international break or there's two weeks off, that means that someone else can, can get fit and come back. And that affects team structure as well. But all of that is aligning at least this year. So, um yeah, with late with with players coming back late from the Euros, like you say as well, there could be um, let's say like a, a Shaw and a KDB who don't play at all before the international break, and then both are available after the international break and after the transfer window shut. So you'll have much, you know much more information to make decisions at that point. It, it might be quite useful to play to play the wild card and and and, and have those those unlimited transfers again once you've got kind of almost maximum information at that point but that but then you know we i know that when that comes around and we're after that first international break me and you're going to be banging on weekly about the fact that champions league and europa league are back and that always affects rotation and so even some of those premium players you're then wondering well are they actually going to play that much in the league because teams often tend to prioritize those players if there's any injury doubts in 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 their champions league games and so ultimately i guess for your own mental health and well-being the best thing to do is just accept that there's a lot of uncertainty around fpl and you you cannot predict the future so there's going to be a little bit of luck involved too yeah absolutely and i, th- I think you're right i think trying you know trying to not make any rash decisions before the transfer window closes is useful. Obviously, if with that closing in line with the international break, gives you more clarity than you can usually ex- hope for, I guess, in, in in FPL terms. But yeah, I'm looking forward to to Pep losing his mind when um, Roberto Martinez calls a, an unfit Kevin De Bruyne up to the Belgium squad and plays him during the international break. I'm, I'm looking forward to that already. Let's take a quick break then before we get on to before we get on to keepers. Uh, but if you do have any questions for Andy or I about any just general FPL strategy you can contact us we are available on social media on Instagram and Twitter both at FPL underscore lounge Uh, but we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll be assessing all those probably the most important position in football but maybe not the most important position in FPL here at the FPL lounge we are keen to hear from you be sure to follow us on Twitter at FPL underscore lounge and let us know what you think During the season, we will have new episodes out twice a week, a preview show on a Friday and a review show on a Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods so that you get the show before the all-important game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So keepers, is they're a bit of an interesting beast kind of in, in FPL Andy and there does seem to be um, different strategies this isn't one that we kind of touched on in the first half of the show really generally people kind of go with either a premium keeper which they set and they leave or a cheaper keeper which they set and they leave or sometimes they have two cheaper keepers that they tend to sort of you know sub in and out depending on fixtures do you have a set way that you how you play the game I know for example I've definitely done the, the the two cheaper keepers where I've subbed them in and out and that's ended up being endlessly frustrating because one's had a blinder against you know a, a good side so you've benched them and the other one's conceded one goal against the you know bottom of the table team um, and you're hoping for a clean sheet so I kind of abandoned that last year and uh, I think a lot of a lot of FBI managers did because they got quite lucky with uh, with Emmy Martinez being being a pretty cheap cheap goalkeeper and uh, ended up having a blinder of the season. Well, uh, we mentioned a bit in the strategy about how defenders obviously tend to score less points midfielders and forwards, but that is also true of 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 um, goalkeepers. I think the highest scoring goalkeeper ever is still not over 200. 
um, points in FPL, whereas there's multiple players every season in other positions that, that score over 200 points. And obviously some over the years that have scored significantly more than that. So, yeah, the, the ceiling, as it were, is a lot, lot lower for, for goalkeepers. And so for me, it's always felt not really worth, in, particularly like I keep banging on about, I guess, at the start of the season where the budget is generally lower for everyone because players haven't started going up in price yet, uh, of that 100 million, I- investing um, uh, a big chunk in, in a goalkeeper doesn't really seem worth it. It seems like the, there's more value can be gained out of that money probably um, elsewhere in, in your team. Um, have, having said that, um, I've, ne- I've not tried to do really ever before the thing you said about rotating them so but i can i can see what you're saying about having say two cheaper ones or mid-price ones and rotating them i can see how that would be infuriating so given what you've said and it, it would seem that again because because ultimately we want to do well in fpl right but as we say here at the fpl lounge we're here to kind of help people make their own decisions and ultimately the point of playing the game is for fun so if you're going to just like get infuriated by that constant rotation when either one could well perform on any given week then then why cause yourself the anguish and it's not always possible but where possible I do try to have a 4.5 maybe a 5 million goalkeeper as as my first choice keeper and then go for the absolute cheapest but most likely to play 4 million keeper as I can as my backup because also generally just in football as well as FPL you do see that the keepers are sort of let they get less injuries don't they and they're, they're more sort of reliable what you know when you know someone's a first choice keeper it, it's rare that you have a situation like united last year where they were rotating two you, you, you even under pep roulette you, your goalkeeper sort of edison is 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 very likely to to start if he's first choice isn't he so yeah that's generally what i'll go for yeah absolutely so so with, with that i mean obviously we've we've split the keepers i obviously the, the range of prices of goalkeepers at the start of the season is is a lot narrower than it is for any other position um so it's it's a bit more difficult to sort of class some as premium and, and others as not because you know, ultimately the price difference is at max two million but let's start at the bottom with some of the cheapest now i guess that's probably as you say andy because that's likely to be the strategy that we're going for and we haven't really unearthed any 4.0 goalkeepers that are likely to start but as you say you know we think that it's worth putting one of those on your bench if you are going gonna go with a strategy that doesn't involve keeper rotation um but there are two 4.5 million keepers that, that that we've identified i think one is definitely favored by us and that's robert sanchez at brighton and then there's another one that seems to be gaining in popularity i'd say among among fpl twitter um in backman who had a, had a pretty good euros for austria and um, playing for watford now i guess andy i'll let you start with with, with sanchez because i guess he is uh he's probably going to end up I would imagine, without you know, we, as, you, as we said uh, in in our trailer, we not we don't do team reveals, but I'm pretty confident this guy's going to end up in both of our game week one teams. Um, so I'll just simply ask you the question: Why? Well, for seasoned FPL lounge listeners, uh, they will know that we were very high on Brighton, both of us, um, last season. Um, they have lost Ben White, so that that is a potential downside here, and why you know that. We don't know yet how much that might impact their sort of defensive numbers. And whilst they didn't keep as many clean sheets as they would have liked last year, I think, um, or concede, they conceded more goals than they would have liked overall. Um, their, their underlying numbers were superb. And again, we were, we were banging on about that all last season. Actually, they ended up the season with the lowest expected goals conceded other than Man City and Chelsea. So to be above 
all other clubs above Liverpool, above United, above Everton, West Ham, everyone like that um, for, for the sort of quality of chances conceded. That That is um, very, very promising. And, um, you know, you, you would hope that the numbers would even out over, over time and that they would they should kind of see some uh, some clean sheets as a benefit for that this season. Um, also, Sanchez is, is 4.5 million. So I think I think there'd be people debating to, whether to have Sanchez if he was 5 million as well because of those underlying numbers for Brighton. But the fact he's 4.5 almost seems like an absolute steal with that defensive potential um, there for the, the, the good defensive numbers for, for Brighton. Um, yeah, like like you said, there's 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 always kind of um, the, those question marks when you lose a player like like a, be, a Ben White, and obviously Lamptey still looks like he's injured. Um, but yeah, the, the only other con potentially for 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 someone who seems like a good option might also be fixtures. But even then, Brighton's sort of early fixtures aren't too bad. It's uh, yeah, Burnley, Watford, Everton, Brentford, their first four. So. Yeah, again, it's kind of reasons to be hopeful. I mean, you, you can for, you can be foolish sometimes trying to judge these those oppositions there for, for for Brighton early on in the season. One of those could easily come and surprise us, but but on paper at least that that looks like an attractive start for Sanchez and and Brighton. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think um, I guess the other thing I thought I didn't know if you put this in as a pun. Um, you said that Sanchez was a bit of a steal, but you can also pair him with his understudy, Jason Steele, at 4.0, um, which in theory would mean that, you know, if Sanchez was injured, you'd all you'd still have a Brighton goalkeeper starting for you. I guess, I think Brighton do have three keepers in this game uh, in FPL this year, so that might not necessarily work out. But but yeah, I think he, he seems to be quite a good, quite a good option. I, I wonder if he has to stay at 4.5 because ultimately he didn't get... Um, you know, in, he didn't get the same level of points as perhaps some of, some other goalkeepers because he didn't play the full season. Obviously, Matt Ryan was was number one for Brighton at the start of the year, but you know, he still ended up with with well over a hundred, you know, despite coming in with mid, midway through the season. So yeah, I think he looks a pretty decent pick, and I guess uh, therefore a slightly under the radar pick maybe is Backman at Watford. Watford, obviously newly promoted team, um, but did have the best defence in the Championship last year. Now we've seen teams come up to the Premier League with having had the best defence in the Championship, and it hasn't really translated into a lot um Watford did keep 23 clean sheets in in the championship last year um some of those were kept by by Ben Foster but when uh, when the new Watford manager Zisco Munoz came in uh Backman was definitely the number one and he's going to continue so this year Watford don't have the worst start I think they've got Villa Brighton Wolves Norwich and Newcastle uh, so that's five fairly straightforward or as easy as you're going to get for a newly promoted team uh, sides in, in their first eight uh, and yeah I think he has the potential for for quite a lot of save points compared to Sanchez where Brighton are going to have you know especially against uh, some of the lower teams are going to dominate the ball and maybe not concede that many that many chances Watford are probably going to give up a fair few chances and Backman did look fairly reliable in both the championship and the Euros so he possibly could end up with save points which will help his his bonus point score um, and yeah he, he could be quite an interesting option I don't think I'm going to go for him just because it feels a bit odd to have a Watford goalkeeper as sort of the backbone of your FPL team, the last line of defence in your FPL team. And I much prefer Sanchez and Brighton as, as a team that aren't going to concede that many chances. But it wouldn't shock me if Backman um, has an interesting season. And yeah, Watford could end up losing a, a lot of games 1-0 because I think they're going to keep things pretty tight. 
Well, yeah, I mean, another thing obviously there is that Watford's fixtures are are decent. So I think that's why he's starting to gain popularity as well, the, the, uh, on paper, again, at least. And um, yeah, they're... they're, they're um, the, the the talk is uh, although like you know obviously I I'm not com- so sure we we had a quick blast of Chris likes EFL there which is always good to get in early in the 2021-22 season but um but yeah like you like you said that 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 they are quite quite decent defensively I guess my hesitancy there would be I've I've seen this play out before right both of the last two seasons the team coming up from the championship with the best defensive record so Norwich and then Leeds everyone was you know getting in Norwich and Leeds defenders respectively in those two seasons being like oh they're going to surprise some people and then both teams went on to concede an absolute ton of goals in the, in the Premier League so yeah little bit sort of hesitant on 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 that front but I think the save points thing is a definite thing in like you mentioned is, de- is a definite thing in, in his favor absolutely yeah I think I think I think that's that, that's my hesitancy as well you know, I don't see Watford as being a good enough side overall to even maybe get it right eventually a bit like how Leeds did last year I see them more as a Norwich and I think they're going to be battling to stay up but you know if they can keep things tight then then yeah they, they could end up being okay Ariola wasn't a, wasn't a terrible goalkeeper option for some games for Fulham last year because he got save points and when they did get a clean sheet he ended up getting 10 11 points so it possibly could end up being a similar sort of option but yeah I do think of those two Sanchez sort of wins it wins it for me um let's go up uh, half a million to a couple of five million um goalkeepers I mean I'll run through Ilan Melier really quickly um he made a lot of saves last year um and I think he was fourth in the league uh, for saves so obviously that's good for good for save points um there are only obviously three keepers above him two of those were in relegated teams um I guess therefore I guess the other one was probably Emmy Martinez so that shows kind of the pedigree that that, that he's got um it's, it's, it's whether Leeds are kind of worth investing a five million pound goalkeeper in for me they wouldn't be, um, but it's, you know he could he he does have quite a high ceiling, and Leeds in in general have quite a high ceiling. Their defence did improve quite a lot towards the end of the year, so I don't think he's the worst shout in the world. But I don't think he's a guy that I'm going to be looking at. Um, however, another five million pound goalkeeper again, I don't think would be mentioning David De Gea usually, Andy. But you've uh, you think his starting price appeals just based on previous seasons. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I'm not necessarily, haven't been De Gea's necessarily biggest fan in, in real life over the last two or three years. However, at five million, it's his cheapest price ever in FPL. Um, and obviously he is in that kind of rotation battle with with Henderson, which looks set to continue. There hasn't been any actual sort of firm information about it. There was suspicion one of them might be sold this summer, but I think injuries, uh, lack of playing time for De Gea and in, uh, injuries to, to Henderson has, has meant that there's a move hasn't really uh, materialised for either, but um, the only concern would be if they were both fit, who was going to start? But and that's why they're both priced at five million, and, and neither is kind of higher or, or, or lower. But here, you know, at least this early part of the season, we do have a, a, a an interesting situation in that Henderson, you know, left the England squad because of an injury. It appears that he's just about overcome that, but he's now still suffering from um, COVID and what people suspect could well be long COVID. He, he isn't actually sort of COVID positive at the moment, but he's still suffering from the symptoms of that, um, which means he he he's feeling ill and he has barely trained, let alone played in pre-season. So I think it seems almost definite that De Gea is going to be starting, um, given that the season's a week or almost a week away now. Um, so, yeah, although I wasn't particularly... Um, delighted with United's defence last season they did they did still keep sort of double digits numbers of, of clean sheets um uh, and 
they're obviously you know star signing over the summer now of Raphael Varane it's yet to be completely confirmed yet United have have confirmed that they've they've agreed a fee he just needs to get his visa sorted and his quarantining sorted um, and have his medal and medical and get the papers all like officially signed so it doesn't appear as though there's going to be anything that will will prevent that but it's just question marks I suppose about how soon he might be able to kind of start for the team um but but nevertheless even without him you know like I say United did did keep a, a few maybe like one in three games keeping a clean sheet last season roughly and um don't have the worst fixtures um starting off not necessarily the best either um but but not the worst certainly early on Leeds Southampton Wolves Newcastle their first four games so yeah just at a, a, a that price in a team that came second in the league last year um uh, who looks to be fairly certain to be starting seems like a possible decent option. Yeah, definitely. He's, I think he is the cheapest keeper of the sort of you know, the, te- the big six teams, and uh, that's probably down to potential rotation and him not maybe keeping his place. But if he's definitely going to start the season, and you don't mind um, using a transfer on a goalkeeper, then then yeah, he could, he could be a, a pretty pretty decent option uh, to start the year. Um, I feel like we we'll move on. We'll go up another half a million to uh, to a guy on his own. For, for us in, in this bracket and it is last year's um fpl lounge goalkeeper of the season emmy martinez feels quite difficult to, to 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 not include him but obviously he has had a price rise by by over a million andy and, and you know let's pose you another question is he worth that so at the start of last season there was quite a few players uh, premium players who'd had price rises and me and you did a little bit of a segment each each week on on whether any of those players were worth it and I feel like Emmy Martinez would probably have made his way naturally into that category if we weren't discussing it here now um, anyway because yeah he it's um it, I think did, we, did we do it with Nick Pope I think we must have done yes we did yeah no it yeah. rings a bell so I feel like we did yes and and it was for a similar reason for him wasn't it he'd had a great season beforehand lots of clean sheets for Burnley lots of save points and then obviously fell off the, fell off a cliff a little bit I think um I think Villa would do well to keep as many clean sheets as they did last year I think they they I don't actually know on 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 the numbers can have a quick look uh yeah so they so they did they did overperform uh quite a bit on 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 their um on the numbers they 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 didn't concede as many goals as they as the xg suggests they perhaps should have done um so the you know the there is a that, that that might suggest that they could expect to concede more goals than they this season than they, than they did last if performances are similar and yeah that would lead to sort of few, fewer clean sheets i guess he's always going to have that save point opportunity and that's what we saw a lot from martinez this season uh, sorry last season and there's no suggestion that will necessarily drop off he is a fantastic shot stopper so he might well still build up a lot of save points but a full million is seems quite a lot and and if you it'd be it'd be interesting to see what the bookies are saying whether they even offer lines on this but whether you kind of had Sanchez versus Martinez um clean sheets lines I I I don't know whether you'd necessarily have Martinez in for more and uh, um and a million more you'd want him in for significantly more clean sheets I think I think if there's if there's anything close to even in your head as to who might get the, the most clean sheets there between Sanchez and Martinez then then yeah, you're struggling to justify that that whole extra million more. Yeah, and I think I think the other thing with him is that Villa's defence did 
you know, not completely collapsed, but it did creak a lot more in the second half of the season. You know, they had the second, the sixth worst expected goals against over that second half of the season. Um, you know, I, it may, I don't think that they're a bad side. They're not a bad defence, but you do wonder if the first half of the season was a bit of a fluke. Yes, OK, obviously Martinez will end up with, with save points, but he had an outrageous season last year. I think he got the second highest goalkeeping points total ever only second only to Brad Friedel and he was very close to taking his record you know even if he has another very good season which he's more than capable of you're paying an extra million pounds for him and it's very very unlikely that he's going to have a historically good goalkeeping FPL season again um so for me it's it's a no but I do understand those that just want to get a reliable option in put him in the net and not worry about it for the rest of the season and I think that's perfectly fine but I think we're both looking to do that but with someone considerably cheaper, injuries permitting. Um, let's move on then to those top bracket goalkeepers. And again, you know, it's going to be very difficult, I think, for Andy and I to convince uh, to convince anyone to, to maybe go for these options because I don't think that, that we ever would dream of dream of it. But ultimately, what do you get, Andy, from going for going for a six point six point zero goalkeeper? And um, we're looking at Edison, Mendy, and Allison here. And I guess simply it's the reliability of clean sheets. Well, I don't know how many times there's been three six million goalkeepers in FPL. I mean, haven't sort of played an, close enough attention to that end of the goalkeepers for long enough, I don't think. But that seems like quite a lot to be at that at that top sort of price level. And I guess what 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 that demonstrates is the number of clean sheets that those teams have kept over the last two three seasons with those goalkeepers in goal. I think that's what puts the price up ultimately. I mean. Mendy, when he came in, kept a lot of clean sheets for Chelsea. I think he got close to Edison, but and and didn't play for quite a lot. You know, the first four or five games of the season because he wasn't he wasn't obviously hadn't been transferred at that point. So um, yeah, it, it, it's really that more often than not they're playing for one of the big teams and more than just one of the big teams, someone who's a genuine title contender, um, and that they are keeping a significant expected to keep and have kept probably in the past a significant number of clean sheets i think edison for example obviously has won the golden glove like what three seasons in a row or something like that so yeah he's um obviously we we know city you know have a lot of the ball and, and don't concede many chances and and whilst you are maybe not going to get the save points like some of these other goalkeepers you, you've mentioned, you are significantly probably increasing your um, your chances of, of clean sheets if you go for one of these keepers. Yeah, I think I, th- I think that's that's the key really, isn't it? And I think, yeah, it, you, know, you, you can put one of these in your FPL team and just forget about them all, all, all year unless that team has a complete collapse. You know, I guess if you had... Allison last year. I know he did end up getting injured for some portions of the season as well. But if you had Allison last year, and then you saw Virgil Van Dijk and uh, Joe Gomez and Trent, I think at some stage of the season all get injured, then yes, okay, maybe you'd want to want to come off Allison. But I think in general, you know, they're pretty safe options that 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 you're going to get. Um, I guess you know we we use the ceiling analogy for those that have a significant upside. These guys have quite a high floor. You know, they're probably going to get you. 100 to 120 points but probably aren't going to get the save points to take them up to 140 150s and so on and so forth that perhaps you know martinez ended up ended up getting last year i mean i think one other thing andy that's worth mentioning with these is that you would imagine that man city players liverpool players and possibly maybe not in the early game weeks but chelsea players will also be quite popular this year having a keeper stop that triple up if one of them gets a double game week or gets you know a really favorable run of fixtures like man city did last year I guess it's, I mean, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question, but do you think it's worth blocking that triple up 
with a goalkeeper or getting that triple up through a goalkeeper, limiting yourself, therefore, to just two outfield players. Yeah, it's a really important point, I think. Yeah, and it's uh, that is obviously a wrinkle of FPL that you can only have up to three from any one team. And um, yeah, that 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 could be. There was points, particularly with say City last season, where you wanted a lot of you know as many City attacking players in your team as you could possibly get. Um, and 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 possibly even you count in Cancelo at points as an attacking player, even though he's a defender. So. Um, so it it really does um, have an impact there, and I think it's a big con. I mean, like we say, we try we try to lay out the pros and cons, but it it does that does seem like a really sort of fatal blow to any sort of potential decision to to try and have a six point point oh keeper. Yeah, I guess the flip side, uh, as we probably did discuss, is that you know especially with Man City, rotation is always a bit of a problem. Pep Roulette is a famed phenomenon, but Edison is probably the safest starter in in their 11 so so i guess you're guaranteed him starting and he isn't gonna he isn't gonna end up with you know, with zero points or just the, the dreaded one coming off the bench in in, in the night in, in sort of the 85th minute uh just quickly then andy before we before we go gun to your head if you had to pick one of those three which one's going to be in your fpl team this year I think over the course of the season, I'd say Mendy because Chelsea looked so good defensively under Tuchel, like absolutely outrageously um, solid. They barely conceded any goals. I think you've you've said it was um, thirteen times uh, in 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 under Tuchel's reign, which was was it get was it around Christmas time? About half the season, wasn't it? So thirteen goals in kind of like half the season's worth of games. That is that is an exceptionally good record. However. I think Chelsea's fixtures early up aren't fantastic, are they? They've got Palace in the first game, but then they've got Arsenal, Liverpool, Villa, Tottenham the next four. So it's not not the worst, but not necessarily the best either. So maybe earlier on, I'd be more likely if I had to pick one with that gun to my head to to, to lean towards Edison. But but it's tricky because I guess you're saying here probably they're a set and forget, aren't they? Probably. Um, it, 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 so so maybe that might make me go towards Mendy it's close between those two I guess what what's as I'm talking what's what's becoming evident out of this is that whilst I'm weighing up those two it's absolutely definitely not Allison. probably yeah I think that's interesting and I think I'd go exactly the same I think I think you know obviously Allison, um you know, his numbers could well improve this year by the virtue of having Van Dyke and Gomez back even though they might not be quite fit for the start of the season I know they're getting some minutes in, in friendlies but you know, game week one is is is, is you know but a week away um whereas for Mendy and Edison I think it's just it's how those t- their teams dominate possession and therefore don't give the ball away and obviously if opposition don't have the ball they can't score a goal um so therefore yeah i think i'd be going with with, with mendy as well um despite the, the the slightly difficult start and again i don't think that that matters as much for a goalkeeper if we're going to set and forget them whereas i think when we get onto the defenders pod and maybe the midfielders pod i think those early fixtures for chelsea could hamper some of their assets a little bit one more thing I've just thought of in Mendy's favour is that the point you made about the triple up, I think there's le- there's fewer sort of nailed on uh, premium options for Chelsea outfield. And so you're not blocking that potential triple up as much by going for Mendy as you would be for going for if you went for Alisson or Edison. You, you know, there's there's a lot more outfield Liverpool and City players that you might want in, in your team. And so it, it that causes more of a problem there. Absolutely. Well, let's leave it there then, Andy. I think we've uh, exhausted keepers as much as we can. Obviously, you know there are only 20 starting keepers in the Premier League, but we've gone through at least, well, we've gone through eight and maybe mentioned a few more there. So, so I'm sure there's plenty to uh, plenty for our listeners to get their teeth into. But if they do want to mention or ask us what we think of one of the other 12, 
um, how can they get in touch to tell us or for us to tell them that Jordan Pickford is not a good option? Well, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram at FPL underscore lounge. And I don't think even Everton fans would 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 tell us that, that Pickford was a good option. If They seem to be the most negative about him of, of all sort of English football watchers that there are anyway. But um, no, it would be it would obviously we, we very much encourage people to do their own research and make their own decisions. We just try to offer a bit of information to help. Um, how, however, you know, that it is limited. We can't go through 20 different goalkeepers. Right. So we're, we're guiding towards some here and if, if there's reasons for or against those or any others as as you say be 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 great to hear what people think absolutely and uh, yeah obviously you you should be getting our podcast into your feed but if you don't do remember to subscribe give us a give us a comment give us a like give us a rating um and i really hope that you're going to enjoy uh, this you know this goalkeepers season preview pod but hopefully all of the others uh, from the defenders midfielders and the forwards as we continue into our fpl lounge long weekend uh, but andy until we convene to, to talk about defenders thanks for joining us in the fpl lounge 